This is Reclaiming Yourself, brought to you with PhytologyHub.com. How we overcome fears, find our inner strength, and trust ourselves. Now here's your host, Suzanne Keatley. Claire Stanhope, welcome to Reclaiming Yourself. Now Claire, you've been with Photology Hub for a mm, long time, well before COVID. Yeah, 20... I think it was the beginning of 2019. Yeah, that's a, a good chunk, isn't it? Yeah. And life's changed quite a bit over that period. Lots of different things going on. So much going on. It's amazing, really, what how life just happens so quickly. But yeah, it's totally different since, since yeah, I started. Yeah, it actually is, isn't it? Yeah. You live in Broccoli. You've got a daughter heading to uni soon. Yes, I know another big change is coming up this yeah. year. Another big change. Which, um, yeah, I need to prepare myself for. There's a lot of work to do on that. Um, and your hobby. And my husband, that, yeah. Lionel. And of course, my dog, Trudy. Very important aspect of the household. Do you remember why you came to Photology Hub? Do I you remember do. What, oh, I know exactly excellent. why I came here. It was because on your website at that point, and this isn't on the website anymore, and I think it's really lacking, there was a woman <laughs> pulling a bus. And I distinctly remember looking at her and go, God, I'd really love to do that. I don't put that stuff up because it frightens the life out of most people, Claire. <laughs> I just thought, God, I really want, I thought that looks good. I'm going to, I want to pull a bus. And then I told my daughter this and she mistakenly thought I meant the 484. When she was, <laughs> and yeah, so we had this very strange conversation and then she's going, oh my God, please don't do that. That'd be so embarrassing. It's not the 484. It's not on the website. And since 2019, there's no way I could pull a bus now anyway. From well, all the maybe things that, happened. that could be another aim of ours <laughs> that we get you to. Yeah, we need a bus out there that we yeah. can practice on. But yeah, that's why I joined. So it was on my, but that was years ago before 2019. Don't know when you put the website up, but it was on my to-do list, on my New Year's resolution for about a good two years to, to start strength training. And then, yeah, and a friend of mine was here and she sort of nudged me and made me a bit interested. And then, but yeah, it was the bus that did it. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> so that was 2019. Now I know you've done a master's, not in just that time. You've com you completed the master's. Yeah, no, I completed a PhD in that time. PhD, sorry, yeah. yes, PhD. The, the, yeah, the MA was a long time ago. Mm. God, if it take me nine years to do an MA, there really would have been something wrong with me. But yeah, nine years it took to do that. And I'm sure strength training helped me get through the last bits because that is, it's physical doing that sort of stuff. Mm. Really hurts your body. The endurance of it. Yeah, it is yeah. an endurance test. It's like running a marathon 50 times over, but not that it was that painful, of course. The joy of it is, is there somewhere, but um, now it's finished, I can feel the joy <laughs> but at the time it was yeah it's it's interesting how physical that stuff is what what was it what was your master's what? the doctor yeah sorry so it was based in arts and learning and i was looking at basically the history of colonialism and the impacts of that on how we view women's bodies and then how the regulation around women's bodies as we look at it through our history um, how that then impacts on how we act and feel and, and see each other as women and especially young women. I work in secondary education, so um, it was my research was based in the classroom. You're an art teacher. I'm an art teacher. And I became really interested in how those colonial histories then infiltrated the, the art classroom and how it also restricted our understanding of what a drawing is. Because the amount of times you hear, like, I can't draw um, anybody, anybody you talk to, they will say, oh, if you say you're an art teacher, it's like, oh, I can't draw a, a stick man. That's what they usually say. So I became really interested after having run several live classes and seeing reactions to young women and um, a naked female form and all the conversations that that can bring up. But just also how 
through using arts materials, how that can also uncover things that often we find really hard to articulate. You know, arts is a really powerful tool to sort of dig really deep into sort of unconscious thoughts and processes. The PhD was actually triggered by this young woman who she looked at her drawings after we did a life class and she had this realisation that she'd drawn the model in a totally different to the, the form of the actual woman and she'd made her um, waist really tiny, she'd given her this, you know, really huge hips, big boobs, all of these kind of things and it was the epiphany of her realising the unconscious act of her drawing and her not controlling actually what she thought she was drawing and then what that can then undo, the power of that is really visceral, it's really, um, it's really empowering actually for her to realise that, to realise how we are taught through everything that we see on a daily basis. And if we think about art history, you know, that's thousands of years worth of entrenched ways of seeing female bodies. Um, and it's a very hard thing to unlearn. But so those small epiphanies that we have, especially when you're in the secondary art classroom at that age, they're, at that age, they can yeah. be transformative. Yes, yeah, so I'm really interested in that idea of arts as the tool for empowerment and and that's basically what the PhD was in we were reviewing what life drawing was and how it could be reclaimed in some way and reviewed and um, the young women that I worked with did some really incredible really powerful things so they were in year nine at the time they're probably you know they're old now like it's so long ago so 15 16 um, at the time though yeah yeah no, uh, younger than that younger, so they'd have yeah. been 13 14, 14. yeah um, so obviously it's an interesting time to go into a life class to start with, you know, especially in a school context. So and the ethics around all of those those issues of, you know, naked person in the school, you know, it raises all those questions, which are also really interesting. The questions that you usually have around that are usually stemmed in our ideals of um, female bodies and you know, links to sexuality and pornography often. When, if anybody's ever done a life class, it's a very different space than that. So it's a really interesting tool for so many different things, like just talking about sex, talking yeah. about consent, talking about, you know, the emp empowerment of young people is, um, life drawing is uh, an underused thing, in my opinion, for mm. with young people. Well, I'm, I'm actually sitting here because I'm really embarrassed because we've talked about the practical work that you've done with, the group because you have you had a group didn't you that was kind of separate to your work your day-to-day -day work that you used and experimented with or is that the right word did you do some group work so what came out of the research with young people was the the a research center yes, yes your research center yeah so as i said these young people did some amazing stuff they pulled all their work into an exhibition basically and they created some methods to get people talking about body image and one of the things they did was to create a tattoo parlor so I became really interested in this because obviously life drawing, they were literally drawing on the skin, literally drawing life on the skin. And they did this thing where they would talk to people about things they didn't like about their bodies, you know, which with young women, wow. there's a generally a very long list. And so they invited these, their peers and also people off the street because we were down in New Cross at the time. And they would write down on a piece of paper um, what things they didn't like about their bodies. They would take the piece of paper and have a conversation with them about what they'd said and their journey they'd been on through the research and looking at art history and that kind of thing. And then they turn the negative into an affirmative. And really sadly, there's, there's some images where somebody had obviously said, I hate myself. So that was then tattooed using henna, obviously. Um, yeah, nothing yeah. nothing major. Um, so they used henna and they tattoo I love myself onto the skin. And they spoke a lot about they wanted, because they know that they're not, you know, these young people, they're very media savvy and they understand how difficult these conversations are and also how difficult it is to change how you think about yourself. So they really wanted 
people to leave the exhibition with a trace, with something on their skin, like a life drawing that would travel with them um, as they ventured out into the world as a reminder, like, you know, why do you think like this? And to dig a little bit deeper and to trigger like a a decolonising process, you know, that idea of undoing all of these colonial histories and thinking about how far reaching they are, you know, like there's obviously race, which we, you know, has talked about a lot, but it also colonialism restricts things in terms of sexuality, ability, it favours whiteness, cisgendered, heteronormativity, all those things. So their conversations were really wide ranging. So these little tattoos that ventured out were really incredible. And it got picked up by the Tate. They happened to be doing a a film. They were reimagining their archives through film. And they happened just coincidentally doing one on life drawing and their life drawing archive. And so these young girls got invited back into the Tate to talk about the research they've been doing. So I began to realise that, you know, this was so far beyond a PhD. You know, it was so far beyond my PhD, this stuff, uh, the the stuff it was generating. And therefore, you know, I had this sort of uh, like an ethics of care, like, what do I do with this stuff? You know, you can't just sit in in a shelf with academics to read it. Like, you know, that's not why I did it anyway. Um, So what am I going to do with it? So I put it on a website and called it the Centre for Creative Explorations. And, you know, you name something, you put it out in the world and all of a sudden it exists. It just snowballed from there. So during the rest of the PhD there was also loads of other projects happening you know which was amazing so other young people developing projects um, researching the schools or academics would come in or we work with arts in residence and it just has become bigger and bigger and so now it's become like another job yeah um, you work full-time plus you're doing well. yeah well I work part-time fortunately mm. so I've one day I know, but I know I you Claire yeah. so you work technically <laughs> your hours technically yeah but yeah no I've um yeah I do work full-time yeah. <laughs> I work all the time and you're um, a teacher so it's like beyond full-time yeah anybody that's teaching knows that job were you working with boys and girls in this centre and as part of your PhD, PhD. So the, yeah, yeah, the PhD was with a group of young women. Women, yeah, yeah. okay. Um, because the, I work in a girls' school, we also have boys at sixth form. Yeah. So in the centre, as part of the research centre, then it's open to anybody that wants to collaborate, basically. So then it's opened up to young anybody, anybody is in the okay. school. Yeah. However, they identify that it's open to everybody. Yeah. But the particular the research project was based with six young young women artists they called themselves yeah because I've never got into that conversation I didn't realise that was the research and I had this assumption in my head that you were working with boys I don't oh, know what, yeah. that's interesting oh. well I worked in a boys school originally so yeah maybe it's part yeah, of that which is another really interesting place to do life drawing mm. those very different conversations yeah, come out yeah especially around sexuality and really interesting conversations that the parents around that but yeah no I'm in a girl school yeah so the research with really young women because we that's what we're at photography of that's what we're doing we're trying to just put all of that aside and and get in here and feel strong and feel powerful and get to know your body yeah that's why I love it here so much Mm, everything fits in with everything but it's about that it's about reclaiming something I mean you talk about well that's the podcast isn't it actually yeah perfect reclaiming yourself (laughs) we're getting there yeah we're getting there so yeah so it was it's it's about that it's about trying to do that um, and that takes a lot of thought process, which yeah. we've, you know, we obviously speak about a lot. Mm. You know, it's not an easy thing to do. It's not a one, you know, you don't just do something and then all of a sudden it's fine. It's um, it's like we said before, that hundreds of years of unpicking stuff, which is so deeply rooted in this society and in Western society, obviously. There's a lot of work to do, which is obviously why a lot of the projects that happen, they usually stem around body image, 
you know it's not that one project did it and then that's that the students learn from it and they bring it back into their their own work but it's so much is uh, around body image for the people in the classrooms that I work with sadly it's it's, we're still it's still there still that same conversation and just kind of yeah taking this back to you you've managed to keep this thing going which quite often a lot of people can allow it to drop out of their lives, this strength training business or any sort of training business. So you've been doing that and we've discussed the work ethic and the amount of hours and all that kind of stuff, sort of. And without trying to make you cry or anything, you lost your mum in that time as well. What year was, yeah. was that? Two, yeah, so th- mum died in 2019. 19. Yeah. So you'd started here already? Yes, I was already here, yeah. yeah. I was fully entrenched here and I was, yeah, I was um, getting towards... Not towards lifting a bus, but I was definitely, <laughs> I was definitely getting up there. I was like lifting, you know, I think 76 was my, was the, the heaviest I ever got to. And at the time I was obviously, I was doing the PhD, but so I took a sabbatical from work for a few months because they just, I, was, I needed some, it was too difficult yeah. to fit it all in. And then really at the same time, yeah, my mum got ill. So she'd been diagnosed with breast cancer the year before and she'd, had a mastectomy and everything and um and she was one of those people where she was so strong herself that didn't really occur to me that there would be an issue (laughs) you know it was and her sister had also had breast cancer before her and had a mastectomy and she was fine and my mum was so matter of fact about it you know it's like you know I'm gonna have a mastectomy and then you know I'll be you know people don't really die from this and you know which obviously they do but in her mind you know, her mother had had it, her sister had had it, and, you know, so in our sort of little small remit, nobody really died from that. And she didn't, in all honesty. She didn't die from that anyway. She did have complications with her heart in the end, which is, which in the end, uh, she was functioning on a half a heart, the doctor said. Yeah, it just got too much with the chemotherapy and the, you know, the drugs, it just, it was just all too much for her. Yeah, so she died in October 2019. Okay, October. Mm. And she made a lot of your clothes. Yeah, she did. I bang on about this all the time. <laughs> I love um, it. Which is one of the reasons I was coming here and doing this stuff with Amber. Because, you know, she's obviously not here to alter my clothes anymore. And I was, like, desperate to be able to... You know, it's such a strong link to her. Was it her way of making you, like, stay healthy almost? <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. Because some of them... Because she really made the waist really bloody small. So, <laughs> she was... Um, yeah, maybe it was indirectly. But, yeah, she's always... she's Well, she's made them... She always made me clothes, which I hated when I was right. really young. Yeah. So, like, I wouldn't wear them then. But then, you know, by the time I got to about 17, I just started A-levels. And then I really... It was just such hard work trying to find clothes that fitted at that point. That it's just like, I just like, oh, can you make me something? And then she... Yeah, she made something that became a very particular style. Like, they were kind of quite A-line, but long. You know, they were always very long to the floor, pretty much. And she made me loads of them. And then it just became my my style with the Doc Martin boots. And Brilliant. it progressed over the years. And some of them she shortened. Some of them, you know, she would take them in and out as needed. But I never got her skills. I, I tried. I really yeah. tried to do dressmaking. But I just can't. I just can't do it. I can sew paper. Like, I can do it in my artwork. But I cannot stitch clothing. I can't use the sewing machine. They're just, just awful. So, yeah, so the clothes are, are really really entwined with her and the memory of her like, I mean this is made by her actually wow. like I mean it's literally I walk around clothed in the stuff that she yeah. made me like she still sort of 
keeps me together and holds me up through her stitching yeah so really fond very material yeah real feels yeah daily reminder right Mm, yeah yeah she's keeping me warm yeah she's keeping you warm especially around here yeah, put a request in for blankets, everybody. Like, yeah, we'll get, we're going to get some blankets. Well, I'm getting heating, so hopefully the heating will resolve the, the yeah, actual the issue. Yeah, blankets, okay. Step in the right direction. You decided bravely to join our True You programme back, with, that would have been September, September, October, November? Yes. No, a little yeah. bit later. But it's three months. The idea was the combination of PT or personal training and all the nutrition with Amber and then kind of anything else to help you meander along. I did some, we did some chats and coaching and yeah. So you, you've made some changes in life. Yeah, I, I really loved that programme. There were so many elements of it, but again, it was just being given, I don't know if it was given the space or even given the opportunity to care for yourself, which you don't, I mean, you, you just don't often do that because um, like things take over I think one of our first conversations I remember you know saying to you you and Amber like oh like this the work that I do is non-negotiable but you know I just that's how it is I have to do this and um school and then yes yeah, yeah. school work and the center and all of that and then actually going through the program and obviously you know the impact that working has on family life and all of those things and the pressures of work and how to create boundaries within it um, and apart from that obviously health um, wanting to have more control over my relationship with food and things like that which I've never had a you know I didn't grow up I was I'm really lucky like my mum was she never had magazines in the house she was really overweight and she loved it you know she she could eat all the donuts from Sainsbury's to when we reached the house and she didn't care you know she was never and when she did lose those weight in later life she hated it you know so she was really happy so I grew up with very positive you know larger women role models like she was not interested at all and she was the most unvain person I'd ever met so I didn't have any of that but you know I did you know I did have a relationship with food which was based on guilt and eating the wrong foods and you know and not wanting to feel like I couldn't move which when I put on weight you, I didn't like feeling like that you know and I'm obviously larger anyway so I didn't you know I also didn't want to fit in my clothes that was another really big thing for me so going on the True You program was a mixture Can I just of, say something? Yeah. You just said and I'm obviously larger. Do you believe that you're larger like in your body? Yeah. No. Well I suppose well I yeah I do. <laughs> We're like having an argument. No. <laughs> yes. No. We're going to have an argument about this, but yeah. um, well, that's yeah. I've always no. seen myself as larger. Well, I'm larger than some people. <laughs> yeah, we're all larger than some people. <laughs> yeah, it's all the other. Okay, interesting. But we we'll talk about that again, right? <laughs> it stems from growing up in the '80s, where you couldn't find a bra to fit yeah. unless it had like ten catches at the back, you know, and you look like your grandmother. Going back to all the the stuff you're talking about that you yeah. did for your PhD, yeah. Yeah, so it's definitely grounded in yeah. in that history of. You know, never finding clothes that could fit me. And also, my waist has always been smaller in comparison to my hips, so nothing's ever fitted. So, you know, and to get clothes that would fit my hips, they just didn't exist in Topshop and places like that. So, yes, although that's where that comes from. And it's, yeah, it still sticks with me, that. It does, because you've said it just off the cuff, and I'm going, no, what, what? (laughs) What are you (laughs) you talking about? Yeah, Yeah, whereas you're just... A normal size to yeah. me. Well, there we go. That's why all the research comes there you in. Go. Still trying to unpick it myself. <laughs> yeah. So, and actually, uh, and you know, we're drifting into kind of size and weight, and there is an element of changing body shape when you do a program like that because you are more focused on your nutrition and your movement and finding out, you know, what 
what's what's what works for you within that kind of yeah the brackets of actually this is about self-care you know fueling your body being kind to your body yeah and just understanding I think when we first took it it was just like that knowledge like I wanted you know I'm in education so I love learning like that's I love learning stuff and to have to be empowered through knowledge is really really key and so I you know I, I knew and I've done obviously I did um I did a batch cooking with Amber and I've trained with Amber for a long time so I knew how great it was to work with her and how much um, I could learn from her so with the nutrition side of it to do the course with her I knew that would be really liberating and are you vegetarian yeah I'm pescatarian I used to be veggie I was veggie when I was 12 and then up until I was like 30 when I had ruby and I slowly started to eat fish but I did realize on the course I probably hadn't eaten protein for 20 years you know like that realization I had no clue about you know Christ if you were veggie in the 80s in Manchester like you got lettuce (laughs) like there was yeah I mean I lost friends over becoming veggie when I was I mean people's parents just would I mean they pigs trotters you know like what what are you doing it was like against the yeah you know the hide of the north like what are you doing you go and go tripe and you have your <laughs> pigs trotters in the freezer what the hell is a vegetarian so you know veg, you know restaurants didn't have things like that not that we went to restaurants why did you but, go vegetarian what was your um it was a geography lesson i don't why it was in geography i don't know but it was about how cows were killed for right. the meat we were doing stuff of agriculture, I assume. I never really liked geography anyway, but this really put me off. Um, and yeah, and I didn't really like meat. You know, Sunday dinners with the meat in your teeth, picking it out. And my teeth weren't great at that age either. I mean, I had teeth growing over teeth. I had so many teeth in my mouth <laughs> that then eating meat on top of it and then picking it all out at the end of the meal. So there was a bit of that. And then there was just this horror of yeah. seeing these animals being killed in this way that I just thought was so unnecessary for us to live that I became militant. (laughs) I was a nightmare. I mean, my poor parents were just, it was lectures at the dinner table. I was out shaking tins on street corners. You know, I was like anti-furl. I was like, it was Lynx at that point, Lynx campaign. Was it Lynx? Was it called Lynx at that point or something else? Anyway, it changed over the years. But I was, yeah, and I was anti-everything. You were there at the forefront yeah. of it all, 20... Yeah, so I was really angry about it. And then, um, obviously, really angry that I didn't do any research about vegetarianism at all and didn't eat the right thing, so I wasn't eating protein forever. Yeah, so <laughs> Amber very kindly introduced me to the world of protein. <laughs> um, fortunately, I have been eating a bit of fish, like, once a week since... I was 30, so I had a bit of protein. And I did love cottage cheese, I have to say, oh, good, when I was yeah. growing up. Yeah, so maybe that saved me. Did you say cottage cheese cottage sandwich? Cottage cheese sandwiches must have been, yeah. Was there anything else in there? Just oh, yeah, tomato and cucumber. They were like liquid by the time I got to eat them at lunchtime in oh, the lovely. heat of yeah, my bag. soaking into the bread. Yeah, yeah I literally <laughs> had to suck them out of the lunchbox. <laughs> so gross. Warm cottage cheese. It's lovely, but, um, Brilliant. yeah. I still like it. I do like cottage cheese, but only Langley Farm. I don't All know. right. Because you get the Very creamy specific. stuff up the... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you get... It's too runny, some of it. I'm oh. very particular about the cottage yeah. cheese. You need the right stuff. So you learned a lot about protein, which is great. Loads about protein. Yeah, because I hear that a lot with people, and they say, no, I eat really well, I eat really well. And I'm like, yeah, just check. Can you check? Yeah. Check in on yourself with your breakfast, lunch and dinner, is there? And also the little things, like, mm-hmm. you know, food timings and... 
you know, giving your gut a break. And it was just like that, again, thinking about things from a different perspective, not thinking of it as a diet, not thinking of things you can't eat or things that are bad for you um, and just reframing it and doing it in really small chunks. You know, it's everything's chunked into what can you do and how can you think about it so you're not punishing yourself. And it made a massive difference. Like, it, you know, in those 12 weeks, I have a totally different relationship with food and what I eat I'm still pretty bad at you know I'm not somebody that can just go off and make stuff like I need a recipe and a plan so I do eat very similar things but I literally eat every single bit of protein in one meal that I can get (laughs) my hands on and I eat that every day so I feel like I'm covering all bases you're ticking that box yeah I'm ticking so many boxes but I love the fact that I can add stuff to my plate like I add everything the size of my breakfast now full of like lovely bits of you know nutrition and protein and just learning those stuff I just found really interesting like understanding how things work in your body you know your microbiome that's Mm. a whole fascinating world which you know the amount of podcasts on that now yeah lovely and then obviously the the you know the movement side and you know you sort of really kindly setting up yoga with charlie for me so with with the movement there was a point yeah like when you first started in that first year you were building this strength consistently and then we're in 2023 and at some point in the last couple of years, your body has just kind of almost resisted it a little bit. You've had to fight really hard to enjoy those sessions, right? And yeah, we, can we? Can, are we kind of saying there's a link to menopause when it comes to? Oh yeah, yeah. Let's bring up the <laughs> dreaded word. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, not that I realised it at the yeah. time. Um, and if you look at the symptoms, I've been going through menopause since about 25, really. Like, you know, the aches and the pains and whatever. Um, but yeah, no, it really started to hit. Um, and I was getting so many different things, you know, like the hot flushes, um, but the brain fog. I mean, poor Tracy, like she would literally say the three movements and I couldn't remember it. And there'd be some sessions where I'd really tear up because yeah. I feel so stupid. Like I I know I thought if I got dementia, like I might, I was really losing it. And obviously I'm in a, t- in a classroom, that's awful. Like there was, I couldn't work things out properly. Like I'm, I've never been very good with numbers, but they just became this, I couldn't even understand what they meant in front of me. So I was having these really embarrassing moments of, either totally misnaming something what you know where people just think that I really needed some extra help you know I called a paintbrush a squirrel one day <laughs> like I was this kid was just like oh I mean I was looking at me and like have I said that wrong what if I said and there was another time one child came up and she's like oh is Miss Stanhope in I was like oh no she's not in today sorry <laughs> and I walked away and I was like oh my god no that's me and then I you literally walked around in, right? <laughs> I wasn't there I wasn't in but I did turn around going shall I tell that student or shall I no I thought I'd better leave it because I don't know how I can come back from that but the next time, obviously, <laughs> I was like, you know, I am here today. Yeah. It's great you can laugh about it. But yeah, well, it was horrendous. funny. But that was before I realised the menopause. Like, I didn't yeah. know menopause was linked to brain fog or memory loss. I mean, God, if I'd known that, I literally would have been going through it for about 15 years. But mum, my mum never spoke about the menopause, mm. really. Like, you know, she spoke about everything else. You know, she asked me if I was a lesbian when I was about 14. You know, there was nothing out of bounds to her, but... Right. Yeah, the menopause, it was, you know, it's just, 
she just went through it and she didn't do HRT or anything because her sister did HRT and I think whatever her sister did there was a real kind of very strange relationship between those two so whatever her sister did she wouldn't have done it out of principle so she struggled through but she really suffered with hot sweats and anger so she really suffered with some of the anger issues (laughs) I remember when I was growing up bless her um but then in the end she put it down to getting diabetes but you know looking back like it wasn't it was if you were going through the perimenopause um but yeah and it's a shame now because you just think god i would really love to be able to talk to her about you know everything that's happening at the minute and her sister sadly died a year after she did but she put everything down to her good fortune of taking hrt so i had these two extremes like you know she fell over all the time when she was you know like in her last years of her life and she never broke anything and she was always oh it's hrt it's the hrt yeah it's magic look at my skin hrt still got my hair hrt so i kind of had her sort of saying all these wonderful things like hrt and then yeah my mum just never went there she just thought you know believed all the hype have you waited quite a, a long time before you've start, have you've started taking HRT? Yeah, but that's okay. only recently, isn't it? Um, I started taking it last September. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I suppose well, because I didn't even realise what I was I was going through the menopause. Yeah, I think okay. to start with, and because I suffer from brain fog, I can't even now remember when I realised I was. But I suppose slowly, I knew there was a few points when I had a friend sort of saying, "I'm really fucking worried about you." And I just say, you know, there was a few things. And and knowing that I was just not able to cope with the work pressures that I was used to, you know, that I used to obviously do. And, you know, being exhausted and having to go to sleep in the middle of the day and just having lots of aches and not being able to move and lift things. And, Mm -hmm. you know, all of that, having heart palpitations. And it was, there was just too many things. And then I think there was something on Facebook where a, a group of women were looking at this particular book called What Fresh Hell Is This? So I started, you know, started looking at things and, um, you know, things sort of come into your... There's more talk on the menopause. Yeah, so although I can't remember a specific moment when I thought this is it, but I do remember going... I went to the doctors after I'd done a lot of research. You know, I'd done a PhD. That's what I do. If I don't know about something, I research the shit out of it. (laughs) Find out everything I can and then decide what I'm going to do. So I'd already decided that HRT was obviously going to... I'm going to give it a go because of all the research I've done and what oestrogen does in your body and what, you know, progesterone and all of those things. And because they're obviously, I've got a history of um, breast cancer in the family, it was a delay in starting it because I had to go for different appointments and talk to different doctors about the risk of of that and whether I could take it and all of these kind of things. But and then obviously there's a journey of taking HRT because it's not that's not an easy route either. I so figure that one out as you go. Yeah, you know. Box, yeah. Oh, well, you know what the other thing was? I do remember why I went on HRT. I had a period for a whole month and I just thought, right, this is it. I'm yeah, going on HRT. Yeah, it was exhausting the whole of the summer holiday as well. Oh, I mean, nice. I literally started this period the day we broke up and I finished it the day I went back in um, September. <laughs> it was hideous. But um, yeah, I then phoned the doctors. Fortunately, it was a male doctor, and I just said I want referring to the menopause clinic. So, and um, yeah, I went down there and I just started different things. The patches didn't work for me, the oestrogen patches. So I'm now on the gel. I did lots of research into testosterone as well, and now I've like started taking that. But you have to jump through a few hoops for that because obviously, you know, the world of menopause and its link to patriarchy is just quite phenomenally shocking so that's sort of interesting and depressing in the same you're doing it and you've done it and it's just yeah that, what would you say to somebody just keep persevering and yeah pushing. definitely yeah because yeah. it's you know it's it is 
difficult when you're in it to to know if you're doing the right thing like if it's if this is right for your body or mm. because it or if, is this better than what it was you know that's the other conversation that I've been having lately is like because I started like they increased my dose of estrogen and I was on testosterone and I was getting more heart palpitations again which had gone okay. and so it was like well is this what is this and is this better than what I was but um the first week of taking testosterone honestly I was like my brain was on fire I'm like <laughs> I mean, the ideas, it was just they were flooding out of me. I had to keep a pad by my bed just because I'd be waking up having to scribble down 10,000 ideas. Fortunately, that's subsided a little bit now. It's obviously settled down. But but you just think, good, I just feel like my brain, like I don't have that same brain fog. Like I can can go into Tracy's session and remember Mm. the last two things she's told me to do without having a mental breakdown in the class that's amazing and I think the um, so one of the things we did in True You yeah we had um, Charlie that trains with us also does yoga so we decided because your hips in fact you've just told me today that you thought you had arthritis in your hips and you were really struggling with any of that kind of external rotation just pain right just pain in the hips and you discovered that you were wrongly told you had arthritis in your hips and you actually have Bursitis. I can't remember the name. We haven't taken the paperwork out, but we think that was... Uh, Yeah, that is... Yeah, Yeah. that is what it is. It is, yeah. Yeah, so that's... Because I've got arthritis in my back, which I assume I have. I mean, the doctor told me that 10 years ago. Maybe Maybe not. Maybe I haven't got that either. But yeah, I have problems with my back and lifting, which strength training obviously had really helped. You know, I was starting to lift, like I said, deadlifts. I think that's why I love the deadlifts, because I knew how... yeah, 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 having my body sort of protect my back to be able to lift that kind of weight. I was really, was really empowering. So then when everything started falling apart with my hips and getting really bad pains in them, and just like the, rota- I couldn't rotate my hips. Like it was yeah. the, I couldn't squat. And if I did really push it, then I'd be in a lot of pain for like the next week. So um, yeah. And then, so when the doctor said I had arthritis, it, I wasn't surprised. I just, I was really gutted because I just thought, my God, my back, my hips, mm. like I'm falling apart. I was going through the menopause, like everything is really bleak. Um, and I was really worried because I was going into sessions and feeling so depressed because obviously everybody else would be lifting these heavy weights and I'd have to have my, even the bar would have to be lifted off the floor onto racks just because I couldn't bend down to lift it up. And I was on like, you know, 20 kg when and it's just the and it didn't equal did it it didn't like in comparison this is what we've always said let's just just stick with it because it hasn't you haven't lost that strength but there's something inhibiting yeah that it doesn't feel like that at the time (laughs) not at the time no but you stuck with it which is so impressive yeah i did i did i did come out in um lionel picked me up that day and i was just in floods of tears afterwards going it was so disheartening um, and I was just worried. I thought I've been coming here for a long time, and it's a, you know it's it's a ritual. Like I don't miss that session every week. And I just thought maybe this maybe I can't do this. Maybe this isn't actually good for me. Um, it's not. It's gonna. It's not doing me any favors anymore. So you know, trying to stick through that, and um, and working with Tracy, who moderates everything. I mean, she can literally tell when I walk in the door. Like, you she's do. got this like sense of like, okay, and then I can see as we're doing the breathing at the beginning, all these different elements will come out next to me. Like there'll be a bench, or there'll be various blocks to like. She gives me sticks to help me get up on the floor. You know, like it's yeah. 
funny really when I think about what I must look like because I can't roll over often I can't I can't I can roll over I can't sit up I'm just from lying flat I have to roll which on a bench is really difficult because there's nowhere to roll to only off on the floor so she gives me all these strange contraptions to help me get myself out of these positions but um I did obviously stick with it well I think and I don't again know whether this is HRT or whether it's you know nutrition or health or just a combination of everything but lately they have the the hips haven't been as bad but now obviously I know it isn't arthritis and it is to do with inflammation then obviously inflammation comes and goes like it depends and also the the doctor said it depends on the weather it it seems like it could be linked to teaching because you're walking I'm walking up and down stairs all day long. You Which know. you'd think is a positive, like, in Which terms you, of... <laughs> I know, it's like, oh, great, you're walking around all day, you do all these steps, and actually, no, it's not really great for you, not great for this swelling anyway. Yeah, you know? I guess once it goes, then, yeah, once it's up yeah, and it's, swollen, then you need the rest swollen. rather than the... Exactly, you shouldn't continue. Yeah. So I have to just learn to... We'll figure that bit out next. Exactly. Yeah. But the yoga, you know, that's why the it was really lovely because on the True You, it was obviously the, you can get more one-to-one sessions and yeah. I was really nervous about pushing that or just feeling really rubbish, um, especially with a new trainer who, ha- you know, hadn't been through all the, the, the whole journey and having to explain it again. And so having Charlie doing a bit of yoga was comforting and yeah, it was just so lovely because obviously she just <laughs> moderated everything yeah. again which is me. great isn't it and just chats as well just yeah. being able to have conversations in that time and move your body in a way and just trust and I think that's after all the years of training with us and different trainers even over the years mm. that confidence to step into a room with somebody else I, I think that's part of the journey you know that you can hand yourself over trust somebody if it works it works if it doesn't it doesn't because yeah. it doesn't always yeah, of course. Um, it's like working with anybody. It doesn't always yeah. fit. But not that I've had, you know, whoever you work with, you tend to mould yourself. Mm, that's right, um, yeah. But there is definitely trainers who, you know, that you know are going to push you. And it's, you know, it's more about the, you know, the um, the fitness bit at the end. Not the fitness bit, what's it called? So your conditioning, yeah, the where conditioning. your heart rate. I should yeah. know these words by no, now. No, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the heart rate and all of that. Whereas other people, it's more about the strength. or So they, everybody has their different ways of teaching, obviously. So... Mm. Um, it's interesting as I've been through various different trainers over the years and the different things I've picked up from not even like techniques but just the desire to do something else or you know with Alma it was the handstand she was the first one that I actually got did a handstand with and I never looked back and then Amber would literally let me do a handstand virtually in every session have you done one recently no I haven't I haven't done one recently that's probably one of my aims um I did do a handstand with my berry on once and Ruby saw a picture and thought it was hilarious that she's like, you never take your hat off. (laughs) I was like, it was was bloody cold that day. I'm not taking my hat off. So handstand (laughs) and a boss. Anything else? Any other goals? No, I think the handstand and the... Well, to do a squat again would be quite nice. I think I've had to bring my goals right the way back down. Yeah, that's okay. And that's life, isn't it, as well? Like this whole... We talk about resilience a lot and it's like, what is... What does that mean? And on a fitness journey with life journey and lots of other journeys it's it's never linear you know there's always the kind of dip and then the Mm. the plateau and a bigger dip and and then we rise up again and it's it's just being able to run with that you know when people train really hard and then something happens you get sick or whatever and so how do I yeah recalibrate almost and bring it back and Mm. find yourself again in a different way and I think women have to do that quite a lot through different journeys and you definitely do the the menopause because every every second of the day is can be different let alone every week yeah 
Um, but it is that's the hardest thing is to to realise that mm. that it isn't a linear journey of you're just going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. That actually what strength is is a totally different thing. Yeah. And sometimes the strength is just the mental strength to get through the door. Mm. Um, just to be able to get in the door sometimes is like the hardest bit. Yeah. to get yourself you know to the gym to come and train but it's like the, you know you, you never regret it though if you do and that's the thing with training isn't it yeah on the other days when you leave crying and you're like <laughs> yeah that was actually, that was my lowest point that yeah. day and then <laughs> poor Lionel was like oh, oh my god it's nine o'clock in the morning and we've already got tears yeah. <laughs> what are we gonna do with you but um yeah but maybe part of the journey as well because they're the bits you'll remember right those emotional days where it was just such a struggle it's yeah. like the childbirth like you just forget about what that was like weirdly years later <laughs> yeah yeah I haven't forgotten the um that bit yet it is interesting though because you have those really low points and then when you you pick yourself up from it or you you can then go back and you do it mm. or you can do something the sense of achievement is therefore far more greater so yeah. you know the low points have their place you know they're needed yeah it, they they're part of that journey and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a journey, would it, really, without them, you know? And it's, that's like everything. It's like everything in life. You need them, you know? As sad as I am about things like the death of my mum, it's also, you know, and we spoke about that the other day, you learn so much from those things. You learn so much more, and your relationship with yourself and everybody else changes with them. So me coming out of the gym crying, I learned far more from that moment than I probably did when I bounced in there and yeah. lifted 76 kilograms. It's so true, isn't it, that all... And those sessions, is they're not all going to be uplifting and amazing. And, mm. yeah, the fact that you can get there and crawl through the door and be met yeah. at, with that, you know, yeah. with respect and just allowed to move. And, and also be with other women in there yeah. that are also crawling through the door with you, you know. And if someone's having a great day when you're crawling through the door, then it's, you know, all power to them. And it's, it's such a great mm. um, experience where everybody is accepted at whatever point they're in that day i loved the other morning when you it was last week on monday morning one of the other true you persons walked through the door because you were in a quite a small tight-knit close group online every week you know mm. pouring your heart out yeah some people are online like fully and then some people are in the hub but yeah just like throwing your arms around each other saying hi it's yeah, so no, lovely it's amazing it's to so see lovely. people in the flesh so, you know said sort of such personal things to these people we've shared such moments often that you didn't know were going to come up yeah you know because you don't know what's going to come up and you know when you're having conversations around food or you know work-life balance for me like you know and I am an emotional person so I cry at adverts let alone <laughs> deeply you know deep rooted things that people are going through so there was a few tears that we shed on those calls and everybody was very kind you know that they would send you messages afterwards mm. so even though we'd never physically met we had this really strong bond between us because we'd all shared this particular experience that we hadn't shared with anybody else mm. so yeah when you then saw somebody in all their glory <laughs> and this sort of it was just like you, you, that's all you want to do is just want to hug them because they've been part of something that no one else was a part of for that particular moment in time so it's yeah it's really it's really lovely to see to have seen them and hear a bit more about their backgrounds and start to build friendships with them beyond Lovely. the virtual realm. Yeah. But it's weird just seeing people's heads. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you've got no idea about their height. Like their yeah, whether they can presence. do a handstand or what. Nothing. Exactly. 
Reclaiming Yourself, the podcast, brought to you with PhotologyHub.com. If you enjoyed the conversations, please use your podcast app to follow or subscribe for free.